Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. Hey, we are going to be looking at something that I think is uh, really crucial for you moving forward in your life and and, and having um, something that you have hope in. And hope is what you take out of the future and put in the present so you can live and work and and be effective and be who you're supposed to be in the present. I'm going to talk about dreams. And I'm going to talk about the fact that this is the, the, the key sort of point here. God has a dream for every one of you. In Jeremiah 29, it says, I know the plans that I have for you. Do you know what his plans are? His dreams. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future, and a hope. And so God has a plan for each one of you. That, that's great news. The even greater news is God takes... Uh, your personality which he gave you, all the experiences which you've had, all of the mistakes that you've made, right? Because God's not flummoxed by your mistakes. And he takes everything of who you are and he knits them in and he says, I have a dream for you. And what you are doing as you live this life, whether you know it or not, and my encourage is for you to be intentional, is to take God's dreams and allow them to become your dreams. And that is when, in fact, you are going to be living the dream. That was the title of my message. Uh, I I think if you would kind of focus and say, what does the world think of living the dream? It would be winning the lottery and getting to have Mai Tais as you sit in your beautiful house overlooking the ocean, right? Except everybody who has that dream is horribly depressed and they all seem to be killing themselves, right? That is clearly not living the dream. God has a dream for you that is completely different than all of those things. Now, the the more Christianized version of that might be that I have my family, my finances, my health, my relationships, my job, and all of those things are good. And I can almost feel you holding your breath because you know that isn't going to actually be that way for very long, right? That's not living the dream that God has for you. Those are all good things when they happen, and that's great. But God has a particular dream for your life that he wants you to begin to understand, to walk in, and to live. So the world's version, that nice sanitized version that we have of his dream begins to rise up in you and that you and him are dreaming together on the same dream. And I I think that you probably intuitively know some of this. You may not have thought of it in this way. And I want to encourage you and challenge you in this because what happens is there's a slow drift in our life and we end up kind of just living off of our to-do list. It's the things that we have to do at work, the things that we have to do at home. It's the pieces that just happen over and over again. And we end up being in that place where we just do those things. And ultimately what happens is the fulfillment level begins to get smaller and smaller. And there's a reason for that. There's a a friend of mine who says, you know what, I understand why my life isn't as fulfilled as it could be. And it's because I spend most of my life on social media and on my devices. And I was reading this thing, and I thought this was kind of interesting. So I was reading this thing that says that as North Americans, our attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter because we're on our devices all the time, right? 
And I said, oh, that sounds like a great article you were reading. You know, tell me more about it. He says, yeah, I lost interest. (laughs) And it's kind of what happens if you live life off of your to-do list. You're just going to lose interest. And it isn't going to keep because there isn't really meaningful. The other thing that happens to us that I think is important for us to know is that we get distracted by lesser dreams. God has... And, and I, I want you to not think of dreams as some really big, huge, I'm going to be telling you big stories, but there's big dreams and all of God's dream actually is a thread that runs through your life. Big, small, meaningful, things that don't seem meaningful at all. All of those things God weaves into his dream for you and he wants you to begin to understand that he has a plan for you in your life. And as he's doing this, and, and I have another like super smart alky friend who said, you know, I was reading the Bible, and he's like, I guess he would say he's a Christian. This is how he this is he, this is how he talks to me in a way that's sort of his way of covering up, right? So he doesn't have to work too hard at being a Christian. And this is what he said to me. I'm not talking behind his back. He said, you know, I was reading the Bible, and Daniel slept in the lion's den. Peter slept in prison, and Jesus slept in the storm. So my takeaway from the Bible is, take a nap. (laughs) I was just kidding. (laughs) And some of you, somebody after the service go, Pastor, that was an amazing message. I'm going to go home and take a nap. (laughs) My point here is that there's a drift in your life, and you are going to get caught by lesser things. And I want to stir you up, challenge you, and maybe even get you to think for the first time about the fact that God has a dream for your life. Do you know what that dream is? And I'm going to talk about the fact that sometimes those dreams are are crystallized and they're perfectly full, and that's sort of the exception. Most of the time we have a sense of some of those things, and as we pursue them, God begins to make them out. But there are some amazing examples when we get to see the big scripture— the big story, and we get to see what God did. God gave Noah the boat dream, and he saved the whole world. God gave Abraham the child dream, and he became the father of a great nation. God gave Joshua the, the leadership dream, and he saved not only his family, but his whole country. God gave uh, Joshua the conqueror dream, and he got the promised land. God gave Solomon the wisdom dream, and he got to build the temple of the Lord. God gave Nehemiah the builder dream, and he refitted all of Jerusalem. God gave Paul the Rome dream, and what did he end up doing? He ended up saving the whole Gentile world, and salvation came to you and I. This is how God fulfills his purposes in the world. He gives you a dream. And you begin to look and say, okay... God, I want to make your dreams my dreams because that's where my fulfillment really lies. Yeah, to-do lists, I got to do them. You know, there's other shiny things in my life, but this is where fulfillment really rests in my life is when God's dreams become my dreams. I'm going to take the next few minutes and talk to you about what that looks like, about how we can do that in... Ephesians 2 verse 10 is sort of a a jumping off point because it creates the whole piece. And this is what he says. For we are God's workmanship or his handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works. In other words, he has a plan 
for your life to do those things you're supposed to do, which he prepared, say beforehand, okay, that we should walk in them. So you were chosen before the foundation of the world, and now God says that he has a dream for you of the things that he wants you to do, accomplish, and make happen. Now, we've talked about who God has a dream for who you are. I want to talk to you about the fact that he has a specific plan with your gifts, talents, abilities, everything that you've experienced for you to make a difference in the world around you. His dream becoming your dreams. What does that look like? There's a diagram that I want to show you <clears throat> that, is, that kind of talks about how we can understand dreams. And this is really important. The first level <clears throat> is that sleepy, dreamy state that you have where you get thoughts and images. You can see it's sort of hazy. And uh, I had, actually had a dream last night. I thought this is so cool. I could use this in my sermon now. And in this dream, somebody was chasing me. I fell off a cliff. I, then I started to fly. And then I was speaking without any pants on. And then I lost my teeth. Actually, did you know that? I didn't actually dream that. Those are the top five reoccurring dreams that people have over and over again. How many of you have the losing the teeth one? Oh, look at that. The same thing happened last service. Not me. I just have... Oh, no, I do have pants on. It's a terrible one for those of us who are up here. So, you know what? What do those, those, all those things that they have, how is that going to be helpful for you? 99.99% of the time, not helpful, Right? Yes, there are some dreams that God gives, but that's super, super small all the time. I'm not going to talk about that. There's the awake stuff that you have that are your passions and your ambitions, the things that you love to do that kind of drive you. Now that we're getting somewhere, those are a little bit helpful, but they can, either, they can go either way. They can go like good or they can go not so great. And what we want to do is move our dreams up to that next level where we say, okay, God, you have a dream for my life. There are plans, you know the plans that I have for you. That's not what it says, is it? I know the plans that I have for you. They're God's plans, and he is putting them in motion in your life, and your job is to take those things, and you have your whole life to learn it. I was talking to um, a lady after the first service, and she said, you know, and she's like a superstar in the kingdom. And her husband died recently. He says, I don't know if I have a dream anymore. Right? Because it was always us and what we were doing. And now I, like, do I need to have a dream right now? You know what? This is what I said to her. I said, you know what? Right now, you know what you should do? You should take a breath. Let God heal you, grow, learn, whatever he's going to do. He's in charge of your journey. And he is going to give you a dream. Because that dream is finished. And there's a new dream that he has for you. Who's, this is what I want you to get. Who's in charge of this? Whose dream is it? It's God's dream. And he is going to bring it to fruition in your life. Nothing can stop those things. What he is looking to have you grab a hold of it. I, I'm going to take just a minute to do something. And this is sort of like the pastoral part of me that does this. <clears throat> because this is really important. There are people in this room who you have had 
times where you've done things like this, where you've maybe been sitting around with your family and you've mustered up your courage and you've said, I would love to do, or hey, I have this dream of, and your very unfortunate brother-in-law mocked you out and made you feel about this tall, and internally you decided, yeah, I'm not going to tell anybody anything anymore. There's some of you in this room that you tried doing something and it didn't work out. In fact, it royally crashed. And whether you know it or not, you decided, I am never going to dream again. Dreaming is for little kids. You see, what happens as you get older, like when you're young, you can dream, right? And say, oh, I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to go to the moon. You know, I'm going to do all this stuff. But then we get older And all of a sudden, we see all these things that have happened to us, and people hurt us, and situations arise, and we fail, and we shut our heart down. And here's what I'd like you to do, because I think this is incredibly important. If that is you, and the Holy Spirit is going to be cooperating in this moment, you actually need to tell somebody else, not necessarily in the moment but sometime you need to tell somebody else and say hey you know what I think happened to me I think there was a way in which I did this when this happened I this happened to me like three weeks ago I went to Eileen and I said you know what I had these this series of things that happened in my life and I think I just quit I think part of me just quit I'm not going to do that anymore. That hurt way too much. And I actually had no idea. You know who knows, though? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is brilliant in your life. And if, there, if any of those things or other things relate to you in this moment, find somebody else. And, and what happens is the power of taking something out of the darkness and putting it in the light and letting the Holy Spirit wash over it. God, I want to give you permission to dream. Because God has a dream for your life. Amen? Amen. All right. So we are going to rocket through the book of Esther. And when somebody tells you a story from Scripture, here's what you do. You sit back, you listen, and you invite the Holy Spirit to speak into whatever part of this story you, uh, he wants you to hear. You don't think, yeah, I've heard this story before. Right? Okay. So Esther is... Somebody who never dreamed that she would be a queen. This would have never in, the, in a million years be her dream. Sometimes we can hear this story and it can sound like a fairy tale where this country girl become, who's, you know, whatever, living in her house with her uncle becomes the queen and saves the nation. It sounds like this, uh, like almost impossible fairy tale that Disney could do a great job with. But the reality of that story is very different. Uh, Esther's parents die. And so she has to move in with her uncle. Then her nation is conquered by another nation and she is torn away and she is made to live in a foreign country, in a foreign land. And she's living by, living basically without family there. She just has her uncle. And then what happens is, and we'll meanwhile back at the castle, there's two scenes going on. Here's Esther and here's the castle. And meanwhile back at the castle, the king, uh, who clearly has a little bit of, um, 
issues going on. He decides to have weeks and weeks of festivities where he shows, gets the boys all together, kind of old boys club, and he shows them all his gold and silver and his paintings and his coverings. And, and it's basically one big drunk tank is what happened. And then they get them all together and the finality of his whole thing that he's having with the boys is he's going to bring his absolutely gorgeous wife out. Now ladies, just like track with me for a minute, right? And in front of all these swilly drunk men and he's going to say how beautiful this lady is. And Vashti goes, yeah, whatever. Now he's still the king, but she was the queen. And she goes, why would I want to do that? And she doesn't come. This is the story that's happening over here. And so these guys, uh, the king is absolutely flunked. He doesn't know what to do. He calls his, his, his key drunkards together to, to get together and to talk about what they should do. And because they're a bunch of very lost men, this is their solution, right? I want you to, I want you to hear this. And then he says, well, this is what the advisors say to the king. Queen Vashti has not only wronged the king, but also all the princes and all the people, for the queen's behavior will become known to all men, and so they will despise their husbands in their eyes. Read, they might not cook us supper. It's kind of what's going on here, right? Is that, <laughs> I'm not going to look over there. The guy looked at his wife and went, What? Kind of what was happening, right? And so they have this whole thing going on over here, and they say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to have a beauty contest. And he knew the king was this kind of crazy guy, and he would love this idea. So they get, <coughs> pardon me, they get these most beautiful women that they can from every land, and they pull them together, and, and he's the judge. It's like some weird Donald Trump thing they had going on, right? And so he judges all these beautiful women, finds the most beautiful woman, and... It's our Esther. It's the lady who was ripped out of her country, ripped out of her home, her parents died, and she comes into this place of prominence. And she does not want to be queen. She does not. Queen means actually probably top woman in the harem. Never her dream. And meanwhile, what's happening over here is there's, a, there's an evil guy, and what he does is he's planning to kill, long story, he's planning to kill all the Jews of which... Esther and her uncle are some. So her uncle comes and he, he, does, he does his thing. He dresses up in sackcloth and ashes and stands outside the king's gate. And Esther quickly sends a servant to go, get some clothes on him. This is going to go really bad. And he says, no, I'm not going to. And they start this conversation back and forth. And the pivotal point of the conversation is this. Esther 4.14. This is her uncle talking to her. And this is the moment. For if you remain silent at this time, talking to Esther, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise for another place. In other words, God's not stuck. He's going to do what he's going to do. But you and your family are going to perish because eventually this whole thing is going to get found out. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And I want, to, I want you to grab a couple of things out of that. The first thing is this. Isn't it interesting that he didn't say, God told me, or some really definitive thing. He says, 
how do you not know that you weren't there for such a time as this? And the reason I chose this story is because this is the way a lot of your life actually unfolds. When you're coming to decisions, you're doing stuff, wouldn't it be wonderful if you have five people call you up spontaneously, give you prophetic words and tell you exactly what to do, you have perfect peace in your heart, and everybody you tell says, Woo, great idea! How many times does that happen? A couple times, right? A few times here and there in your life. Most of the time our life is lived where we have to come to that place where we decide. We need to live... Like there's a plan. God has a dream for my life. And and I want you to think about that. Are you living your life like there is a plan? I think it's one of the most important things that you can decide to do. The one who chose you can be trusted and he will do it. And Esther says, okay, I'm going to live my life like there's a plan. I didn't want this whole queen thing. This is ridiculous. So what she does is she takes her life in her hands, she goes to the king, and in those days, if you approach the king, you get your head chopped off because he was the guy and only he could invite you. Starts this whole series of events where she approaches the king, and the king agrees with her, and the nation is saved, and the evil Haman guy is hung, right? That pivotal moment is that moment of decision. Where you and I, well, God will bring us into these places where we need to decide if our yes is going to be yes. If we are going to say yes to God for the things that he had, even if it isn't completely clear, even if we don't know exactly what was coming next in our life, God says there's a plan. And and I, I want you to think about this because there are stories that are very clear. And, and I, one of the great stories that, of people that I know is my friend Joel, who, were, who is the pastor in Regina. Some of you would know Joel Wells. And he, from this high, was going to be an evangelist. And he just wanted, he dreamt of being an evangelist, literally dreamt of being it. He had a poster of Reinhard Bonnke. How many of you know who Reinhard Bonnke is? If you're African, you, you probably know who he is, because he is the Billy Graham of Africa. Right, And he had one meeting in Lagos, 1.6 million people. Take a look at the screen. Look at that sea of humanity. And you know, there's a lot of crazy guys who are in it for the money and all that kind of stuff. Um, not a perfect man, but really, there were 6 million people at, a, at the Crusades in, in that crusade in Lagos. It's just crazy. And they had miracles, and a whole bunch of people got saved and put into the churches. Some of you experienced that or the results of that as you've, as you've come over now. You, you've told me stories of those kind of things. And, and one of the like, really cool stories is, um, and it doesn't matter if this person was mostly dead or all dead. This person, as far as the doctor said, were dead. And they prayed over, at the, as he was preaching, they prayed over him, and the guy came back to life amazing what God is doing. So I want you to get the context. Little Joel, believing this. He has a poster of Reinhard Bonnke in his bedroom. How many of you have posters of Reinhard Bonnke in your bedroom? How many of you had Charlie's Angels posters in your bedroom? Don't answer that. <clears throat> and so he has this poster. He's coming up. He, he, then he, he's kind of connected in with the church, and his dad's the pastor, and he gets called to be a pastor, and he's thinking, What? This is not what I want to do. Who would want to be a pastor? Where's Pastor Steve? He's usually around here somewhere. I usually connect with him on this. Who would want to be a pastor, right? You have to work weekends. It's like a terrible job. And he, gets, and he was literally feeling that way. 
that's the job I would least want. But God, it's his dream. And it's his plan. And this week, in, in my inbox, uh, I found a picture. And you and I, when we bought pies and ate them, so one of the things that we supported, we gave a, a nice chunk of money uh, to going into Pakistan, a Muslim country, where the gospel is closed. And I want you to take a look. That guy in front is Joel. And he is there because you gave. And all of those people are Muslim people, or the majority of them are Muslim people who are hearing the gospel. God says, I have plans for you. I have a dream for your life. Would you let your dreams become mine and make it happen in your life? There's a clear part that happens, and those stories are really inspiring. There's also some fuzzy parts where you just take the first step uh, and I want you to think of the Bible characters. David didn't dream of building a temple, did he? They said he was going to be king, and then he spent a whole bunch of time in the desert, and it looked like a, the worst thing that would never happen. But what happened was he became a man after God's own heart, and then he became king, and he became the architect that built the temple of God. I want you to get that series because it's really important. I, I've put a diagram together, deeply theological, spent hours thinking about this. Here you go. <laughs> this is your life. And this is, this is mostly how it works every time. God has a dream for your life. Amen? Okay, you'll get better. You need to make a decision. Amen? All right, then you hit, oh, you're going to love this part. Then you hit delays, difficulties, discouragement, and any other D words that you could think about. And it's this squirrely time in your life that you'd happen. Amen? Amen. (laughs) There's a distinct lack of enthusiasm there. What happens in the middle of all that loopy stuff is probably the most important thing. Yes, you need to make that decision, but in the middle of all of those things, store every story that you see in the Bible, and I think every story in your life looks like this. Yes, there's fulfillment at the end. Some of you are still getting there, but there's a whole bunch of that other stuff that happens before you get to the fulfillment. And what God is saying, I want you to live like there's a plan. That I have a dream and you can come in and live in my dreams and make that happen. There's a, Katie Brazelton is, was, among other things, she was one of the pastors at, at Saddleback, ministry leaders at Saddleback. And she tells her story of trying to figure out God's plan. And it's a lot of like that. She said, you know what I wanted to do is I wanted to, I wanted to have a Geiger counter. You know those things that, that kind of measure when, the, when there's activity, radioactive activity? I wanted to get one of those things for when like God was working or doing something and it was of purpose that I'd walk around with it and every time it would go off, I could be a part of it because I just want to do something meaningful with my life. I know that God has a dream and it's just not happening. She's super frustrated. She sees a video that her mom sends her from Mother Teresa, and, and she's crying through all like seven sessions of it. And so at the end, Mother Teresa says, hey, if you want to come to Calcutta, come and join us, and if this is God's call, you will know. 
So literally that, that day or around that time, she buys it, she and her mom buy a ticket. They go out to Calcutta. They're driving through a part of Calcutta that is probably worse than any of you have ever seen. They come to Mother Teresa's house. They open the door. It's all this activity. And one of the ladies says to them, would you like to see the mother? And I want you to just think about this, right? You're, you're thinking... And she was thinking this was going to be the best experience of her life. So she comes, and and it kind of started out good. There was this little lady. She was sort of hunched over. She was barefoot, and she was really small. And as she came talking to her, but this is how she described it. She said, you know what? But as this little lady came before me, all of a sudden I realized she was a giant. It was like one of those spiritual experiences. eh? I was like, oh. And the first thing that came out of her mouth is, she said to Mother Teresa, how can you do this? And the, the little lady looked at her and said, it's a joy, and just walked away. And here's what she did. She spent the next 20 years thinking that what Mother, Mother Teresa meant is because she had done this great, amazing, successful thing, that's why it was a joy. Is that true? Not at all. Says 20 years later, what I realized was this is the reason it was a joy is because God's dream for her was to look one person in the eye. And, and what she literally did there is she spent most of her time cutting the toenails of people who were extremely like who were street people. And so you know everything that goes with that. She said, That part was not a joy for me. <laughs> Until I realized that what I was designed for was to help other people. And it wasn't the bigness or smallness that was really the issue at all. It's what can I do right now with what God's given me. I was like, oh. So your dream, when it becomes God's dream, is really what can you do right now? with the people that God's given you. And he unfolds the dream. So we live like there's a plan. The second thing that we do is we live so that the dream can be fulfilled. Commit the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your ways. Let's go back to that diagram uh, just for a second. Esther, God has this dream for Esther he is, she's made the decision, said, you know what, maybe I'm here for such a time as this. She goes into this time of real difficulty. Now, I want you to take a moment and think back to this. Uh, Esther's life has, has been this absolutely nightmarish thing up till now. She's pulled away, and now she's in this sort of untenable situation. And, and if, we, if we had a theology that this world espouses, we would say, And I want to be careful how I say this because there are people who are really true victims and I'm not talking to you. But our world has said everybody is a victim. And you live out of your victimhood which means you are absolutely paralyzed for the rest of your life. Do you understand that? And and guys, please hear my heart on this. I am not saying that bad things haven't happened to some people and you have to work through it. Just like my dear lady that I talked to, she needs some time to breathe right after her husband died. But the world's solution to this is you're a victim and you will never get out of it. You know what Esther wasn't? Esther was not a victim. You know who she was? She was a child of God. 
And your, that identity always has to supersede all this other thing. And it's what you will never get from the world. And in fact, if we're not diligent against thinking about that, we will all think like that. And we'll get caught up in all that stuff. Esther had every reason in this world to believe that she was a victim. And that she lived out of that victimhood. But she refused to do it. We need to live like there's a plan. We need to live like God is going to fulfill some things in our life. And he is going to move us forward in ways we can't believe. Here's, here's the thing that's so incredibly important to us. As you have patience, what you need to know is that God cares equally about the dreamer as he does the dream. God cares equally about you and how you're growing as he does the dream that you're fulfilling. So what he will do is he'll work on you as he's fulfilling dream. That's what all of this is about. You know that, right? He could just go boom and have the dream happen, but he actually wants you to become more and more and more like Jesus. And so life takes us through all of this stuff. And he takes those things in our life that we need, that he wants us to grow. He moves us forward. I I told some of you this before, and I want to be careful how I say this to be honoring. Um, The thing that that is God's dream, part of God's dream for me, is to be a father. And, And to father in terms of having to show God's father heart to the people around me. And it is my greatest joy to do that. And, and there was a season where my son was struggling. And, and I had to sort of work through that place. Because the enemy was saying to me, if you can't even keep your house together, how can you be a father to anybody else? And part of that sounded true. Do you know why? Because the best lies always have a little bit of truth in them. God's in charge of my dreams. And he is working on me because he cares just as much about the dreamer as he does about the dream. What is it in your life? I bet if you think of it right now, you can think of what God is doing in you so he can fulfill those dreams. There was a a man who was uh, a speaking uh, minister and he was traveling through Hungary in the time when the Iron Curtain was still up. And I actually did some traveling during that time. <clears throat> pre, pre the curtain falling and uh, you, you would go on a train and you'd have your ticket and everything and then some big scary dude would come and he would rifle through all your stuff and he would, you know, they would take it away or do whatever because this is what they did during the Soviet Union time, right? And so this happens to this guy. He has his Bible down. He's reading. And he was a missionary, so he was bringing Bibles to the rest of the people. And what they did... And you've heard stories that go the other way. What they did is they prayed over the Bibles before they went on the train. And they said, God, would you, you've made seeing eye, you've made uh, blind eyes see. Would you make seeing eyes blind? So they don't see these Bibles. And you know what? They did it, except it didn't work this time. And the guy was chucking Bible, all his Bibles out of the train as it was going. And then he took his Bible with all his notes and every sermon he had ever written. Now empathize with me as a pastor just for a second. That would be very hard. Everything he'd ever written, all his notes, and he chucked it out the window, and this guy did what most of us did. He was like whiny for three years. Every time he would, get to, he would talk to God, it was more like whining to God. 
my Bible, the things that I need. I don't have my notes. And, and then he did the thing that sometimes I do too. Where, you know that verse where he said, and Pastor Mark preached on this lately, where he said uh, that every, that things work out for good. And he sort of did the pathetic version of this. I know that this is going to work out for good. I know you've done this. And you sort of have to, you're trying to amp yourself up. Eventually he got to the place where he said, yeah. And you probably know where the story's going. He gets a letter with his Bible three years later. And, and I want to read it to you because I think it's kind of amazing. He says, dear brother in Christ, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the use of your Bible. I found it on the railway through, on the railroad three years ago. I kept it, I read it, and I studied it often. My family and I have written down many scriptures on paper and many more in our heart. We cannot thank you enough. After having this Bible, it feels like we can just now die and go to heaven. But brother, please forgive me for keeping your Bible so long. I thought that if I didn't read it now, I might never find another Bible again. Oh. God's plan, not my plan. In your life, we need to live like God has a plan. We need to live so it can be fulfilled. And very quickly, the last thing that I want to talk to you about is we need to live like deliverance is your destiny. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more, say more. Okay, this time say it like you believe it. More. There you go. Thank you. Then all we could ask or imagine according to my power, according to his power that is at work within us. There are three ways that God fulfills. The end of that line with all the squigglies is that God fulfills. There are three ways that God fulfills your dreams. You see that middle part? And the last one is fulfillment. And the first one is this. He fulfills your dreams internally. Is he takes the things that, that are happening in your world and he, and he makes them come together and he makes you more and more and more like Jesus. He gives you a deliverance that is external. This is the one we really like. This is where God miraculously breaks in and all of a sudden there's money for the down payment that wasn't there. The, the x-rays come back and you are healed. The, that business relationship turns around. Your prodigal son comes back home and you just go, thank you, Lord. And the last way that God delivers, and those two kind of go back and forth because God's amazing and he can work two things at once. And the last kind of deliverance that we have is eternal if it's God's plan, and if you said yes, that means that there are some things that will only happen when you're in heaven. Whose plan is it? God's plan. And that's when you have to decide that it's God's plan. Your dream. And you always know what's good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand I want to do two things. If you wouldn't mind bowing your heads, closing your eyes. If you're here today or if you're watching online and you have never made that decision to accept Christ, or maybe you have and you've just sort of completely abandoned it and you want to come back today without anybody looking around, um, online raise that, you see that hand. In this room, anybody here, would you just raise up your hand right now? You say, I need to do that. Yeah, thank you in the back. That's great. Thank you in the back over there. Anybody else? Yeah, thank you, sir. I see your hand. That's great. Thank you. 
Yeah, thank you, ma'am. Hands all over the place. Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray together. The second thing that I want to do is go back to what I near the beginning started out with. I know that there are people in this room who you have stopped dreaming. And you've stopped dreaming because you've been hurt, embarrassed. Uh, You just think you're not good enough. God couldn't possibly reclaim or redeem this. And I believe that today is the day where God wants to break that so you can dream again. So if that's you, nobody looking around again, and you think, I need to start dreaming again, and I'm going to put away all that stuff, God, you need to do that because clearly I don't have the ability. Would you raise your hand? Yeah, hands going up all over the place, guys. Yeah, come on. There's some more that need to do this because I know that's almost everybody in the room. Yeah, good. You can put your hands down. That's great. Thank you, Lord. So we're going to pray this prayer, and the first part is going to be taking his leading, and the second part is going to be committing to dreaming again. Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Today I choose to give him leadership of my life. You are my Lord. You are my God. Thank you for the dreams that you have for me. Today I choose to dream your dreams. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app.